It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Another busy week in the world of football. We dive into the Week 10 college football cards, some marquee matchups, including two games on Saturday that go head-to-head. Washington visits USC as a short favorite, and LSU at Alabama. This is a big one for the folks in Tuscaloosa. If they want a chance at the college football playoff, Mike Calabrese of the Action Network will join us to discuss, as well as the college football playoff rankings that just came out recently, what to make of that in the NFL. Four excellent games that go back to back to back to back. We'll dive into those and best bets coming up on Unreasonable Odds, presented by DraftKings. Welcome into Unreasonable Odds, presented by DraftKings, Brendan Glasheen and Julian Edlow with you this week. Coming up, we'll have Mike Calabrese of the Action Network. He joins us to dive into the Week 10 college football card, the first release of the college football playoff rankings as well. We, what we make of that, what can we glean, what we might disagree with, uh, and a couple of really great games. Uh, two of the night slate and then one earlier in the day, uh, between Notre Dame and Clemson. That's week 10. Also, we'll work our way in the NFL. Myself and Jules will go through the slate. Some really good games in the NFL this weekend, too. And then we'll wrap, as always, with our best bets. Recapping last week's be- best bets. Yeah, Julian Edlow. Say again? I said, yeah, let's do that. Yeah, yeah, you're really looking forward to that. Edlow goes 2-0 and once again. Looking at our best bets tracker. He has won 10, so he's given out, well, yeah, he's given out in nine row, plays. Nine. Two in a row, five weeks in a row, right? Yeah, uh, four in a row. Four consecutive weeks hmm. of 2-0 and o best bets. Okay. I think back at the end of September, you gave out a Kansas City-Oregon State money line parlay, to be fair. So that was one play. Anyway, who cares? Last week, Utah, Oregon, under and you, you've been on, and this is a great way for us. Hit this first, and then we can get into that Clemson game briefly. We're going to talk about it with Calabrese, but you were on this about Clemson just being checked out and NC State uh, held on for dear life. It got close at the end where you could have got, you would have been fine if the game went to overtime anyway. You got the number at 10 or nine and a half, but uh, yeah. good job, Jules. You must be feeling good about yourself. Good win there. Wish I had more on the money line. Um, and... Really, <clears throat> this is well, we're going to find a lot out this week because that was back-to-back road losses for for Clemson, as bad as mm-hmm. they were. Now Clemson's going to be at home where they're a lot better, and Notre Dame has trouble on the road, lost to Louisville, and should have lost to Duke before that. You know, game just came out of nowhere. Uh, so we'll we'll cover that. But I mean, I'm sticking with my take that Clemson is is checked out we got Dabo on the radio having 11 minute back and forths with callers who think that he should be fired and why he thinks he deserves his money if he's going to go 500 um 
like imagine that being somebody in that position, making that kind of money and going back and forth for 11 minutes with a radio caller. Uh, Was it a caller or a host? Somebody called, I thought, and, and said oh. this. Okay. Maybe it was, I, even if it's a ho- even if it's a host, and I'm I'm wrong because I haven't I haven't listened to it. I just read yeah. the headline. Either way, like you have to. Uh, well, I'm just saying the, the host, I get, but a caller that's like that's like next sure. level. Like, like they get in your head. That's all. You I'm have to. Uh, you have to be uh, pretty, uh, you know, insecure about your status in order to do that. Mm. Yeah, it's amazing how much has changed since that first game they had against Duke. They were close to scoring several times. Got to clean it up, and you can get away I with mean, that. I just of- Googled it. It was a caller on his radio show. Oh, my gosh. I see. So he was probably on site with the other radio folks, and then they took calls. Normally it's a, hey, Clemson's 11-1 and one again. Everybody call in and give love. But now the script has flipped, and he's mm. – uh, Getting getting a little taste of the other side. Yeah. So something you mentioned earlier in the week, and then we'll do a quick hit on the NFL before we set up Calabrese. He'll join us in just a moment. Um, are you still surprised the line's at three? Like You seemed kind of like you couldn't make a sense of the market. What was going on with this game? Three for Clemson, Notre Dame? Yes. Kind of. And I, it opened, I think, three and a half on DK Sportsbook, and I put it out as a play because it opened three other places, and I assumed it would just go. Not only came back to three, it came back to two and a half for a point in time before okay. settling back at three. So I understand these sharp home dogs. Um, you know, I bet Florida over Tennessee earlier in the year when nobody saw it. Um, bet Pitt over Louisville when when nobody saw it. Um, trying to think of of some others. Wazoo over Oregon State. Like I've I've been on some. I've also been on the Dukes against Notre Dame's that that didn't yeah. pull it out, but. <clears throat> the, what makes this one different is how just the direction Clemson's going. In. Like they, they're not playing well and Notre Dame is. So I'm, I'm going to be riding hard. You know, you can't be, can't play all the market sharp plays, all the public plays. You got to balance it. I'm going to be riding with the public hard on this one and we'll see how it goes. Speaking of which, I would imagine in the NFL, we'll hit this quickly. I know we're going to dive into these games, but a lot of short favorites at home in these big spots. Well, Kansas city is in Germany, but Those other games, Baltimore minus six, that's a great game against Seattle. Big test for those two teams. More so for Seattle if they're for real. The 4 4 p.m. window speaks for itself. Divisional matchup, Cowboys-Eagles. Eagles Eagles laying three. I think the public's going to be all over Philadelphia because they don't believe in Dak on the road. He's better at home as a longer favorite, which was the case last week. Just inside a touchdown. And then Buffalo Cincinnati. I would be a lot more comfortable with Philly there if I thought Hurts was fully healthy. Yeah. Which they've, I feel like they've been managing him all year. And then they've pulled some games out of their keysters playing against the commanders. But maybe a look at that spot. I will have an NFL one in best bets this week, though. I, oh. I've, been going, I've been going to college, I think, two weeks in a row. Yeah. Well, you also said last week that you were going to take it back a notch on the NFL. So, Well, kicking it back up a notch this week. All right. It's a week to week podcast. With that, we will welcome in Mike Calabrese of the Action Network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, 
all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Pleased to have Action Network's Mike Calabrese joining on Reasonable Odds this week. We are presented by DraftKings. Mike works over at the Action Network, covers college football, also college basketball at a uh, to every extreme. So he's been in the thick of action here the last couple of weeks, and we're going to look ahead to the weekend. Mike, last night, the uh, first release of the college football playoff rankings came out. Top four, Ohio State, Georgia, Florida State, Michigan, a couple teams from the Pac-12 on the outside. You've got that <clears throat> tug-of-war that, to me, doesn't make a lot of sense with Texas and Oklahoma because Oklahoma beat Texas, but Texas is ahead. This is all going to change, but just kind of a it's a fun discussion point at this point in the year. So you're – Opening thoughts on the first ranking release. I think to a certain degree, the committee just punted. When you look at the way that they bracketed it, it's all the undefeated teams, then all the one-loss teams. Then we get to the two-loss teams, and they just tag in two of the best G5 programs at the end of the top 25, which is fine at this point. It's going to sort itself out. Ohio State's going to play you know, Michigan at the end of the season. Michigan still has to compete with Penn State on the road. All these these games are going to play out on the field. They don't have to be hypotheticals. But I do think we're careening towards the most difficult playoff selection top four that the committee's ever had to compete with. Like This year really is tailor-made for a six-team, if not a 12-team playoff. But no one's going to forgive the committee when they leave out their school you know, in that five- or six-team slot. So unfortunately, that's what they have to compete with, but that's what they signed up for. And honestly, the last few years, it's been pretty easy. There's been very little drama. I think when you look at these schedules, you look at a Florida State who has like a 90% likelihood of finishing the season undefeated. They're one of the few that have you know a very clear and you know not all that difficult or challenging schedule to get undefeated. Everybody else, it seems like, should stub their toe at least once. And if that's the case, you're going to have a clown car of teams with one loss and similar resumes. Yeah, it's a, it's a good year uh, for the expanded field, but we'll we'll wait one more year for that. And I think it's just important to point out that the committee did that. And like you said, maybe maybe punt is a, is a good word, but uh, you just got to take what these teams have done so far, and that's what this is built off of. And it's not built off of any projections, which uh, we're essentially being told that because since this college football playoff ranking came out the market hasn't changed. Ohio State's high ranking didn't have people running to the window to bet Ohio State uh, to win it all or, or anything like that uh, because they know that Michigan game is on the schedule and that's going to change things one way or another. Now, if Ohio State upsets and, and you know wins it, then, yeah, the market's going to change drastically. Um, but, yeah, like as we were talking uh, before we went on, Glass, you said, what, they have Georgia match, matched up with Michigan, right? No, no, I, I, I mixed that up. So it would be Ohio State and Michigan and then Georgia, Florida State, which that just brings home your point that that's just probably it's, not going to play Yeah, out. so like it's just these aren't going to be the matchups. They're ranked off what they've done, but we know, you know, I'd be shocked if Ohio State and Michigan were in the college football playoff. It's going to be whoever wins other? that game, if Michigan can get past uh, Penn State, which is absolutely no gimme. But uh, so there's just so much that has to move um, – there's a clear path for a, a one-loss Pac-12 team in there as as well. There's a clear path for a lot of things, a lot of teams to get in there just based off of how things go. So didn't learn too much from it, but I think it was telling just the main overall point. The market did not budge off of any of those rankings. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, and there's some games this weekend where uh, – teams featured in one of the of the two teams featured in, in these matchups that they could make a really strong case Alabama Washington we'll get to those two teams want to hit you first Mike with Notre Dame and Clemson we, we've discussed Clemson at length on this podcast that it feels Dabo who now likes to call into or he's he, on a sports talk radio show he's getting heckled now by callers and it's not going well um, and entertaining them for 12 minutes <laughs> yeah that doesn't probably that doesn't please the producer when they're going over time, I'm sure, on the segments, too. Um, Notre Dame, short favorite at Clemson. Clemson was on the road the last two weeks. They did fight back against NC State. It was a good spot. Julian bet NC State. Really good look by him. He probably wishes he had more on the money line. Easy to say that now. But what, what do we make of Clemson now with, with, and Notre Dame going in? What, what's Notre Dame really proven on the road, though, too? Those are some things to think about. Yeah, Clemson, I think they're – I'm not breaking any news here. They're leaking oil. They're 4-4 four and four in the season, potentially no Shipley in this game, which is really difficult for Clubneck because he's been kind of that safety blanket and someone who's reliable week-to-week week offensively. The bottom line is they brought in Garrett Riley to open up this offense, and whether it's you know him losing the magic or having his hands tied, I think it's the latter you know when it comes to the play calling, but they haven't been able to create explosive plays. That's what they were looking to do. Now they're down Williams at wide receiver. They're 128th in explosives through the air this year. That's unbelievable given the, the talent on this roster and the upgraded OC. They're averaging just 22 points per game in ACC play, and that includes playing Syracuse, Wake, and NC State. But the big headline for me in this game is that they allow havoc at the 90th worst rate in college football. And Notre Dame had 11 tackles for loss. It was the difference against USC. They were able to put Caleb Williams under pressure the entire game. Clubneck, you can see what happens to him when he gets battered in games. You saw it at the end of the Florida State game. I think this is you know, really trending in the wrong direction for Clemson. I'm surprised that this number hasn't bubbled up more into the four or five point range. Maybe it will by kickoff. And then the other element of, you know, game within the game here is Clemson's D is still very stout. But if you're going to break them, you're going to break them on the line of scrimmage on the ground. Audric Estimates looked fantastic in the past two weeks, 229 total yards, five scores. And even though Notre Dame has underachieved a little bit, they came into the year essentially kind of um, a consensus top 10 offensive line. They're only 27th in run blocking, according to pro football focus. But I still think that's going to be enough to move around this Clemson front. And that's why I have no problem laying the, the points with the Irish. Yeah, a lot, lot of good points there, um, so I'll, I'll keep it briefer. Um, I, I was going to touch on the lines, like how Caleb Williams looked is how I think Cade Klobnik, who is not nearly as good as Williams, is going to look in this game. So I, I think that's a huge aspect of it. Shipley is a huge aspect of it. If Shipley isn't there, that's such a, that's such a big piece of the offense that can – you know, get you out of some of these third and fives and keep a drive going for Clemson. And now they don't have that potentially. So everything's trending against Clemson. Now, when we look at the market aspect of this game, it's terrifying. Why has it not budged off three? DraftKings actually opened at three and a half, came down to three, came down to two and a half before going back to three. So there's strong resistance, um, you know, on a home dog like Clemson. We know from earlier in the year they hadn't been a home dog in since Deshaun Watson when the Florida State game came about. Florida State wound up coming through. Uh, and I think Clemson has lost a lot of hope since that Florida State game. The FSU game was like, okay, we can get our season back on track. Right. Well, the season's over for them now. So I, I just I, – Notre Dame going on the road is been tricky at times. Louisville, I think they ultimately just fell into a bad spot of playing so many tough games in a row. Duke, they looked beatable but squeaked it out. But 
let's look at a common opponent. Yeah, Clemson just lost at NC State. Notre Dame went to NC State earlier in the year and whooped them. So, I, I'm you know, we like to give out a lot of those sharp home dogs on this podcast, Clash. I will be riding with the public with the road favorite on this one. I, it just too much going wrong for Clemson. See, Julian brings up a good point in terms of the what's ahead for both of these teams. At four and four, and I think it's a reason why Dabo's flying off the handle, even though yeah. by the end of this contract, he's going to have, what, $160 million in the bank. That's what you get paid for. You know, you get you wake up every day and you get to live your dream and coach college football. This is what he says. Your actual job is to deal with the heat when you're not performing. But he, he can't seem to do it because that's how bad it is inside of their locker room. But number two, if Notre Dame wins out at 10-2, and two, they may be in the mix for a New Year's Six Bowl game. So everything's ahead for Marcus Freeman. This is the kind of win that can help him on the recruiting trail in the South as well. So like, so many motivational angles. I know it can be a little bit of fool's gold to get enamored with that You know, when you go put together your handicap. But I think it plays a little bit of a part here. And that's why I'm more than happy to take advantage of this line not budging off of three. Okay. Let's go to Washington and USC. Then we'll get to LSU, Alabama in just a moment. Washington, little concerned with how they've they've looked. Penix is still the favorite to win the Heisman Trophy, but for for USC, this is like this this is USC's natty. It feels like for them, like if they can circle something on their season that they they can feel proud of. But hard to trust this team. How they looked on the road against Cal, the Arizona game now going weeks back. Where are you at here? There were some three and a halfs in the market. USC is a home dog to Washington in the Pac-12. Well, now that Brian Ferentz's reign of terror is over in Iowa City, the next coordinator that has to go from a name brand has got to be Alex Grinch. Like, this is unbelievable that he is still employed. Like, USC has already set the standard of firing coaches on the tarmac. Like, this guy should have been let go. You know, his key card should not be working. Whatever the narrative is, he should be out. (laughs) Because they are 125th in explosives allowed. And that was after going into the portal, strengthening in their front seven, you know, getting Bear Alexander, all these great things. They gave up 527 yards to Cal on 49 points. That's like giving up 1,000 yards and 100 points in a single game to a bowl team. So the fact of the matter is they've given up nearly 43 points per game in their last five. There is no floor. There's no bottoming out for this USC defense, which is why I've circled the total in this game. Because when you look at what Washington has done, Yes, they've you know played well on offense and been able to you know kind of stave off some of those letdown spots against Arizona State pulling out a win against Stanford. But Ashton Daniels finally exposed a Washington defense that was limiting explosive plays. The Stanford quarterback throws for 367, hit completions mm-hmm. of 53, 44, 30. You know that Caleb Williams has got to be licking his chops in this game. And the big red flag for me, and the reason why I like over so much, is the Washington defense does not create negative plays. They are 108th in generating havoc, and they don't take you know they don't take the ball away either. They're 93rd in takeaways on the season. So I think if USC can stay within you know let's call it even or minus one in the turnover margin, this will be a four quarter shootout. And 76 and a half may seem like a lot of points, but if I was on the other side and I was taking an action on this one, I would not want to have to be rooting for the under. Yeah, we're we're aligned again here. Uh, is that what it is on DraftKings right now? Seventy six and a half. Seventy six and a half. Yeah. Oh man, I was hoping to give out seventy five and a half. So this is, I'm up early on Sunday mornings. We do the sweat out of the DraftKings studio Saturdays and Sundays, eight to ten a.m. Um, and I I like to grab a lot of these college football openers. I grabbed over seventy one and a half in this game, and I should have bet more on it. I might if it was if it gets back to 75 and a half, I'm going to give it out as a play. I'm going to add to it. 
um, might be just gone at this point. But uh, yeah, that uh, Mike broke that one down well. <clears throat> if you want, and Glass, you mentioned uh, Penix for Heisman. Probably a good week to get in there because he's going to look good this week, uh, win or lose, and he still could be a one-loss winner of the award. Caleb Williams yeah. lost two games last year and, and won the award. This isn't like getting into the college football playoff. It's a little different. Um, but yeah, we should see points here. I'm very curious as to who wins because Washington is really slowing down. USC needs it, but they've kind of lost hope on on the year somewhat similar to Clemson, not quite that bad, but like they can't win it anymore. That's why Caleb Williams came back to win it all and they can't do that. So there's there's that. Um interested to see how the Pac-12 uh shakes out overall. Um because I know you're getting, I don't want to say a bad price, but a, a much different price than last week on Oregon, which is now like an even money favorite to win the Pac-12. Their schedule, they're 24-point favorites against Cal. We don't have a look ahead up on DraftKings, but in the market I've seen Oregon hosting USC. 13 is the number on Oregon hosting USC. Wow. wow. Uh, and they have two other pretty – I know Wazoo had a good start to the season, but – I. I mean, oh, that's sorry. That's not even Oregon. No, they've got so they go USC after the Cal game, USC home at Arizona State, home Oregon State. That's the rest of the way for okay, Oregon. So Oregon State is the one I meant to say. That's, you know, tougher, but at least they're home. Yeah. I think Oregon's going to go 11 and 1 and go into the Pac 12 title game and be favored over a Washington team they lost to in a great revenge spot. So hmm. I think grabbing Oregon now uh, to win the Pac 12, especially somebody like myself that has a 4 to 1 on Washington early in the year. If we get that matchup, you're just hedging off of it. Yeah, and I was going to ask about maybe Knicks and his Heisman prospects, but Penix has the head-to-head win, right? So that makes that... Yeah, but I don't 20 know. 20-1 to one for Bo Nix. It's not the worst bet. Yeah, I, I think the fact of the matter is the market got ahead of itself on Penix, and while that basically made it, you know, a pass for everybody from a value perspective, it inflated the odds on everybody, you know, two through 20 in the market. And you look at a guy like Bo Nix, like, I don't think that he's going to win it. But at 20 to one, it's a nice, you know, addition to your portfolio for someone who's going to have the opportunities in marquee games to put up big stats and to put the team on his back. Um, and it, also, just the way that Dan Lanning, you know, calls plays, there's an opportunity thematically for him to be there in huge fourth down scenarios and huge red zone opportunities to win games, just as he was against Washington. You know, if they convert a few more times in the red zone, they win that game. He's probably the favorite. So I, I think that all needs to be taken into account when you're building your Heisman portfolio. Okay. Yeah. It's a big spot for Washington too, if they can beat USC, because that keeps them right on the cusp of being in the mix for the, for the college football playoff. They were sixth in the rankings that just got released. And then another no, team there. I mean, they control, their destiny. I mean, they're undefeated. If the if you keep winning, uh, you're not going to be a. If you're a 13 and 0 Pac 12 champ, you're, which I don't think they'll be, but you're not. You're in at that point. Sure. So, I just meant that the four teams ranked ahead of them. They they're all in pretty good spots this week. Yes, I know. That's you they yeah. have the toughest one. They need to win this one Correct. to keep themselves on the outside looking in. Yeah. And then another team, Alabama's got a path too. If, but it's a tough spot for them, right? They're in the same window, that night window, hosting LSU, Bama minus three. This is big for Bama's playoff hopes, as we mentioned. And it's a revenge spot too. These teams played last year at LSU, went to overtime, 31 30 win for the Tigers. Where are you at on this game, Mike? 
this one, I, I like to do a little exercise as many, you know, cappers do on Sundays. I just like to jot down my thoughts on, you know, the sides, the totals. I had this pegged at 66 and a half. It's sitting at 60 and a half, 61 in the market. Yeah. Listen, LSU's defense is buns. They are they're they weren't very good, and now they're down both starting quarterbacks. Darian Chestnut and Zy Alexander are out, and that's really bad news because Milrow does one thing extremely well, and it's throw the ball deep downfield. His PFF passing grade on pass attempts twenty yards or more through the air is ninety eight point seven. So I, I just look at it as he's got 17 big-time throws. I think they're going to cut him loose in this game, and there's going to be an opportunity for this to devolve into a shootout really quickly. And then on the other side of the ball, I mean, nothing more needs to be said about Jaden Daniels. The guy is someone who can put the entire offense, offense on his back. They're comfortable playing in shootouts. You know, they give up 39 to Mizzou. They still win the game. They give up 55 to Ole Miss in a one-possession loss. They give up 45 to LSU. 60-and-a-half just seems like a number that's ripe to fall. And honestly, like the LSU pass defense, there's nothing they can do from a personnel standpoint to right the ship in this game. The only concern I have is maybe if Alabama plays their best defensive game of the entire season. I know they're top 40 in Havoc, they're fourth in sack rate, 14th in pressure rate. All those stats are great, but Daniels is just a special, different kind of cat. So I don't think it's going to make much of a difference. I see this game being played in the 70s. Yeah, third straight home game for Bama. They didn't start well against Tennessee, so I would imagine the start for LSU is crucial in this game too if they want, to, to your point, on an over, but uh, but also for any any sniff they might have in this one, Jules. Yeah, a lot of thoughts on this game, so I'll keep it as tight as possible. And I like a lot of what Mike said, but rather than banking on LSU to be able to have a strong game against a Alabama defense that's on the way up, there were two things that I had written down for this one. Both of them tie into the total, but it's the Alabama team total over. Just focusing on this LSU defense does not have it. Alabama needs this win. They might even need some style points. And like like he said, the the matchup with Milrow. So if you're in a state, I don't have it in front of me, but if you're in a state that has college props, the Milrow passing yardage, because you're going to get big gashes there, you would assume. Um and so that that ties right in. So if you want to even like a same game parlay, Milrow passing yards and Alabama team total, even shave a little bit off to get better odds and put them together, something like that, really correlated, ties in together. That's what I had in mind for this game specifically. But I am going to have to do some hedging here for like a million reasons. So I'll just, if anybody <laughs> tailed any of these bets, I will tell you guys about the web that I've spun for myself here. And you can let me know what you think I should do. Before the season... I bet LSU over nine and a half wins at plus money. If they lose this game, they go under that. Before the season, I bet Alabama at minus 165 to miss the college football playoff. If they win, they stay alive to most likely go into that Georgia game at 11 and 1. Before the season, I bet LSU on the look-ahead line for this game at plus seven and a half. I have good CLV on the game. I'm trying to figure out what I should do because I'm rooting. I'm rooting almost for LSU to both win and cover the seven and a half. And that puts Alabama out of the college football playoff. So everything I have here is LSU. Now the Saturday is approaching. What do I think is going to happen? I think Alabama is going to win this game. So I'm probably going to bet a bunch of Alabama money line, maybe some minus three and figure this one out later in the season as we get closer. You guys got any thoughts? Did you ever, by the way, did you ever uh, 
Did you ever uh, go with go with uh, Bama's eight and a half win total when that number oh, was? Oh no, and I meant to. So uh, I don't know if you looked at the in season uh, win totals, Mike, but after the ugly Bama scraping by USF when when yeah. Milrow sat, the in season win total on Bama was eight and a half, and that's my biggest regret of the college football season is passing on that. Yeah, I you really put my brain in a pretzel. I told you I got a. There's a lot here. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think maybe it's best. Who to do you kinda, like in the, You didn't give a side. You gave a total, but who, who do you lean to in this game? I, I lean towards Bama. Um, yeah. I think I think it's predicated on the first two possessions, though, because if they get out hot and then they have a lead and LSU becomes one dimensional, even with arguably the best quarterback in the country and someone who can generate you know positive plays with his legs as well. I think if they're able to unleash Dallas Turner and everybody else, you know, in their pass rushing room to just pin their ears back and go after him, I think they'll create enough negative plays to be able to run away with this thing. Um, and the other part of it is no lead is safe with the LSU defense. You know, Bama could score four yep. straight touchdowns just by hitting big plays. And I do think, you know, they pretty much did that last week against Tennessee to get back and win a game. It, it, exactly. And I think it, it's a good indication, too, of Saban's faith kind of in both Milrow and Tommy Reese to, you know, essentially get it right in game where they're not the machine they were in 2020. They're not the machine they were with Bryce Young, at quarterback, but they can get hot. They're more of like a kind of a streaky shooter in basketball where once he yeah. starts feeling himself with the deep ball, then all of a sudden they can score and put together drives in two to three plays. So yeah, I, I can't talk myself into LSU just because I think the bottom could fall out at any point with this defense. Yeah. Mike Calabrese of the action network real quick before we let you go. Any other, anything else you want to give out before we let you go? I had a good rant for Dabo, you know, Chambered. I feel like you guys have talked about it enough. Um, I will throw this out. I, I re-listened to his rant against that guy, Tyler, down in South Carolina. And I felt bad for the guy because I, I don't like the idea of multi-multi-millionaires talking down to regular folk, particularly when you're 4-4 four four on the season. Um, also, just like the fact of the matter is there's always people who are going to get paid who then have their projects go bust. Like Tom Hanks was making movies in the 80s. It was hit after hit after hit. He does The Bonfire of the Vanities in 1990. The movie loses $32 million. He gets, still got paid $5 million. He had to face the music. People were writing articles about him. You know, he can't act. He was miscast, all this stuff. He didn't see him losing his mind and screaming at people. It's like, I'm still a box office draw. Dabo is still a, na a two-time national championship coach. He's still very talented. He still knows how to build a program. But he's made some mistakes with the portal. Just like own it and move on. Like that's a scenario where you just laugh it off. Like literally there's a guy, I mean, Saban was in the exact same scenario about six weeks ago where he's right. like, you know, I, thank goodness you guys are calling in because I had no idea how to block up these exotic blitz packages. Like, thank goodness people are calling in from the gas station to let me know how to run my program. He has the right attitude. I think Dabo can embrace a little bit of that. Um, in terms of things that are actionable, let me go ahead and pull up. Some of my best G5 picks, as you mentioned, I troll the, the depths of G5 land. So I want to make sure that I have something interesting to drop your way here. It's been very profitable fading Trent Dilfer this year. So I'm going to go ahead and do it again this week. Uh, FAU is only laying a point at UAB. FAU has a chance to, if they win out, play for the AAC title, whereas UAB is 2-6 and six on the season and they're at Leak and Oil. Uh, and then for kind of an, an exotic one, if you're looking for a money line, underdog to add into a round robin or something like that. If 
Carter Bradley is healthy for South Alabama. Plus 180 against Troy. Should be a high-scoring game. They have some awesome perimeter weapons. And LaDamian Webb at running back. He's got 13 rushing scores on the season. There you go. Okay. Very good. Can't say, can't say I had those on my radar. There you go. I mean, that's... Like as we like to say, I watch the games so you guys don't have to. There's a lot of ESPN Plus in my future every Saturday. <laughs> Sorry, we had uh, we had Ben Raza last week, and he gave us out he gave out Western Michigan minus three against Eastern Michigan. So got there. I may or may not have tuned into a little bit of that game for that reason. <clears throat> so now you got me convinced. Mike Calabrese of the Action Network. Thanks for stopping by on Reasonable Odds. Great stuff. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped. The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Okay, let's work our way around the NFL again. Thanks to Mike Calabrese for joining us this week. No Johnny Avello. Avello's not available this week, so no odds are. So it's up to Jules and I to go through this NFL board. Yep. Uh, real quick, you had a thought on the Raiders and that dumpster fire that's going on? Josh McDaniels just got let go this week. Not a ton, um, and they're switching to Aiden O'Connell at quarterback. So we'll, we'll see that. what that we'll see what that means. Um, Josh McDaniels is the first coach in NFL history to be fired two times within two years of getting hired. So twice he did not last two years. What was the other one? Denver? Was it Denver or the Rams? It was one of them. Oh, God, I forgot about the Rams. I, don't, I didn't even look up which one it was. One of them he made it past two years. The other he didn't. Um, also made it six hours with the Colts once. Might remember that. That's right. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, Josh McDaniels, not an NFL head coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Raiders get the Giants this week. A lot of, we got Josh Dobbs now starting a quarterback for the Vikings. Cardinals traded well, him. Is he, to... he going to start right away? Do we know that? Oh, I they're going to incorporate him. Is it going to be this week or maybe look a week? Oh, that's a good question. Road. I kind of just assumed that, but that's a good point. Right. Yeah, well, it's uh, hard. I mean, I know you assume that when you get a guy like, oh, okay, he's the starter now. He probably is. But you forget the part where – that person has to show up in the middle of the week and learn your entire offense. So maybe you wait. Okay. Um, yeah, that's a good question. Now that you say that, uh, well, could be. Oh, it says Jaron Hall's going to start at yeah, the Falcons. That, that makes more sense. Yep. That the Vikings put that out themselves too. Okay, so it's Jaron Hall, not not Josh Dobbs. <laughs> okay. Well, Jaron Hall. We got Taylor Heineke this week. Starting a quarterback. That's an, that's an upgrade for Atlanta. As somebody with a Saints division future, uh, I would rather them stick with Ritter. Put it that way. Yeah. Okay. I'm assuming you have no thoughts on those those particular games involving those new quarterbacks? Nah. Well, lean Atlanta, but, it, you know, it's growing. It's going to be a really tough spot for the Vikings. Like, the Falcons – are making a move because they think it will improve them. The Vikings just Drake lost. Drake London's hurt too. So, huh? Drake London's hurt. True. Yeah. I don't. This. Yeah. I'm not betting this game. Let's just. Yeah. No. Heineke here. actually throws the ball to wide receivers, which is yeah. good news. Yeah. You know, no. I, I mean, I like it. I think that's an upgrade. That's an upgrade. Whereas Minnesota, 
obviously forced into a downgrade that they wanted no part of. Yeah. So there are four games that, that jump off the page and they all go in consecutive order. Kansas City and Miami play in Germany in the morning. One o'clock game. Ravens are a six-point favorite against Seattle. Then you've got Dallas and Philadelphia. Games in Philly. Philly minus three. We'll get to Jalen Hurts. And then Cincinnati and Buffalo. That's really, I mean, Buffalo's favored because it's of home field. Um but uh, that's that's really a pick. Well, uh, pardon Cincinnati. me, Cincinnati's home. Cincinnati's home. Cincinnati yeah. minus two um, yeah. against the Bills. So let's just go right in order. Quick thoughts. Uh, Kansas City bounce back spot against Miami this week? Yep. And this has come down uh, Kansas City's way due to a professional service giving out Miami. I love One and Kansas. a half now at DraftKings. Is yeah. it? All right. I, I gave it out at two. two. I, I thought it would cross three or get to three. Now one and a half due to obviously somebody gave gave out Miami um, a paid service, but uh, Kansas City for me and now now you can go money line. You don't have to lay two and a half like me. So Kansas City, Kansas City money line. Um, the Dolphins don't really beat good teams. The only thing I think the Dolphins have going their way, they left right after the Patriots game, giving themselves the week in Germany. Kansas City is going to leave on Thursday, but. Kansas City, you know, get Mahomes healthy. He had the illness, obviously did not play well. Like, I guess take your time. You want to be at home. Everybody, when you're sick, where do you want to be? At home in your own bed. Feel a little better. Get out there. I, Is Taylor Swift going to Germany? That's the that's the glaring question. I have no idea. But, uh, well, Kelsey balls out when she's there. That's the thing. Yeah, but that's not an actual real stat Handicap. that's going to hold weight moving right. forward. So. Chiefs bounce back. Dolphins just don't beat good teams. Um, you know, they've, they've, they since with Tua over the last, going back to the start of 2022, they have a win over Baltimore. They have a win over Buffalo. Every other opponent that you would, you know, say is a good opponent, they've, they've lost to. Um, so with Kansas City in a bounce back spot, I, I, I got to go Kansas City with this one. Mm-hmm. And I think the minute Tua's done a pretty good job. He'll, he'll make a mistake early in a game, and he usually bounces back. But I, I think this Kansas City front can get to him too. And Kansas City's de- Kansas City's defense is really good. Yeah, uh, we're, we're forgetting the fact that this might be like the best defense Mahomes has ever had. Yep, and seeing how Tua looked against a pretty good Philly front, that would be concerning for me if you had to back the Dolphins. So I think I that's mean, a good. Times, it all checks off for Kansas City. This will be the third time I've faded the Dolphins this year. The other one was. Bills minus two and a half at home. Eagles uh, minus two and a half at home. Both of those were double-digit losses for Miami. Quickly, why why is Baltimore or why are why are the Seahawks six point underdogs? Is this just too much public love for the Ravens? Yeah, Baltimore's really good. I I like Baltimore Um, futures market wise. I like Baltimore the way that they're playing right now. So I'm not going to bet that one. not going to bet that one, so I would lean. I, I think the Ravens win it. We'll see points wise. Okay. So Cowboys, Cowboys Eagles. I normally I would lay three with Philly at home. I just can't because of the Hurts injury. I don't know if you're betting that one. Yeah, but he's been hurt all year. It, it's been weird how they've managed him because that that that's the reporting now coming out that this has been a lingering issue mm-hmm. um, for Jalen Hurts. So. 
um, a bone bruise in his knee, and he's been dealing with it for weeks. Some of the play, even like going back to that Thursday night game they played against Minnesota on the road, they weren't letting him throw downfield. So I thought it was still the shoulder, but now it might be a knee thing. And no kidding, you're doing the tush push every week. Maybe that has something to do with it. So Maybe. that's a good point. Uh, do they go away from that? Um, hmm. Probably not. I just don't have I, – I, I just, Jules, I don't have faith in Dak off a win, a blowout win. Um, and they're kind of – speaking of the Dolphins, the, the Cowboys are like that. They're really good against bad competition and then off a and big win. Like they're good at home. And they're good at home. Um. Real quick, we'll end with the last one you put in the notes, Bengals and Bills. Um, yeah. Bengals again, are back, this was, man. This was one I bet Bengals minus 130 money line. It went all the way up to three. We're looking at minus 160, 165s, and a pro service gave out Buffalo. Now you can get 125 on the money line. So uh, Bengals money line for me. I know maybe this is one of those gross spots you come back and take Buffalo, who's one and four against the spread in their last five. They're not playing well since he's getting it together. So you, you go with the sharp side, but – uh, Bengals match up really well with Buffalo. That was 27 to 10 in the postseason in Buffalo last year. Mm-hmm. I have more faith in the Bengals here. I think they're for real and the Bills are not. So I will take Cincy money line at home as a, as a bet for me. Cincinnati and not even look, I know it was off a bye. They played a good opponent, a good defense in, in San Francisco. <laughs> so it sounds like it's overreaction to how they looked in that game. But the, the borough bye week was massive, and he, just the eyeball test, he looked a lot more comfortable. They just feel more balanced, whereas Buffalo, mm-hmm. shocker, Ken Dorsey, it's just Josh Allen, go make a play and save us, please. And there's some real back and forth going on there between him and Stefan Diggs. They're, now they're letting Allen run a little bit more, so I'm curious as to how that might factor in and how the Bengals can handle that defensively. Um so that's something to keep an eye on because they let Allen run it a little bit more in that Thursday night game. So Buffalo's got a little more rest coming into this game too. Um, I, I'll take the I'll take the defense that is has more playmaking capability. Buffalo's pretty banged up defensively still. Um, so I'm with you there. I think it's Bengals or nothing uh, in this spot. Okay, let's let's do best bets before we go. Jules, why don't you go first since you're just streaking? You're streaking all over this podcast. We're streaking. Um... Keeping it simple, we'll we'll now use Kansas City money line as the NFL play now that it's in a uh, you know playable uh, number. So mm-hmm. Kansas City money line against the Dolphins is going to be a best bet, and then riding Joe Public Notre Dame minus three, Clemson fade. I don't care. Those are the two best bets for me this week. Okay, I will still go ahead and back Philadelphia minus three. I, I'll I would remind people too, a lot of hype about the Jalen Hurts injury going. Now I know the Eagles lost the Super Bowl to Kansas City. He looked okay. He did pretty well, all things considered. Um, I still think the Eagles haven't played their best. This Washington team divisional game last week that they just seemed to push them around and make it challenging. Perhaps a look ahead spot, but I am just going to go ahead and back all of the trends of Dak Prescott on the road after a straight-up win, not good. Mike McCarthy, off a win, now going on the road as an underdog, under 500 against the spread. Last year when these two played early in the season at Philly, it was Cooper Rush at quarterback. I, 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 Dak's better, but I don't think there's just leaps and bounds better. Um, 
Maybe look under in this game, too, if you believe in these defenses at 46. But I'm willing to back the three with Philadelphia. I think there's going to be news later in the week that Hurts is going to be okay and that this could get to three and a half. I'd rather get the three. And then I am actually going to give a college play, too. Late oh. night, late night, Pac-12. I'm, I'm buying Arizona, man. I know this is a brutal stretch. The Wildcats are in the midst of. They're playing their fifth straight game, I think, against a ranked team. Um, I've got faith in their offense and how they've looked at home UCLA this year on the road overall against good teams that they can't score so I'll take Arizona once again as a home dog plus three against UCLA you have thoughts on that quickly before we go to Samir Arizona's been really good I'll tell you something I played an alternate you don't find these much I played an alternate win total in Arizona their win total was five and a half this year so I played a minus 200 under eight That's in question. I need them to lose once to push, lose twice to win. So I'm pulling for UCLA big here, and I might even take a little Arizona money line as a hedge. Okay. Just a weird, not that anybody else has that bet, but weird storyline. Yeah, I just, I've got questions about UCLA scoring. um, All right, Samir. In a big spot. So, and, and look, Arizona State, I mean, pardon me, Arizona, brutal, brutal stretch here. So, that could be, they could come back down to earth, but I'll take them as a home dog. Okay, Samir, Samir what do you got? Won last week. Yeah, talking about really crap coming into the pod today, too. No crap, no talk, no. Oh, no, now, now he doesn't want to say it. All the things he said off the air. Hmm. <laughs> I, why I wanted Julian to give out his picks before we started this segment is because I'm also on Notre Dame minus three. Put it in the sheet before him so you can say that Julian's tailing me <laughs> on that one. Oh, man. But, I'm worried. I'm worried about it now. But I do disagree with you. I think Seattle covers the six. I uh, think that's going to be a much tighter game. I know Baltimore's looked really good all year, but, I, but so has Seattle. I think they're – I think it's going to be tighter than six. I do think that Baltimore wins the game ultimately, but six is too big. Just one? That's yeah. it? I mean, technically, it's two. What was the other one? Notre Dame. You gave Notre Dame and Seattle. Oh, gave Notre Dame. Okay. All right. Listening, Glash. Pardon me. Okay, that's it. Thanks to Samir, as always, our producer, Julian Edlow, Brendan Glasheen, signing off another week of Unreasonable Odds, presented by DraftKings in the books. We will talk to you again next week. Thanks also to Mike Calabrese for joining the show, and we'll talk to you again next week. Good luck. Odds and lines are subject to change. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER.